Hey, Will, like I normally do, I just want to take a moment to tell our listeners to make sure they hit us up on social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you might see us. Make sure you're sending us something. Also, you can email us directly at AppalachiaMeetsWorld at gmail.com. If you get a moment, shoot us a line, give us some feedback. Yeah, and wherever you listen to the podcast, make sure you subscribe to Appalachia Meets World. It just helps our podcast, but it also helps you know when we're releasing a new episode. But I think it's critically important uh, when we look at a rapidly changing economy, um, we ensure that we make our investments in a way that is both smart but also just. And making a just investment is about investing in, in Eastern Kentucky and, and all Appalachia. Appalachia Meets World, podcasts about place perspective but always Appalachian and don't forget Will tonight's episode is powered by SOAR shaping our Appalachian region if you're a entrepreneur out there especially in eastern Kentucky check them out Appalachian meets world we're back another week it's Will and Neil what's up how are things good good things are good had a Martin Luther King Jr. day this week yeah you have yeah. to do anything for it? Celebrated on, on Monday of this week. Didn't do anything particularly special. Kids are home from school and they're still a little bit young to, to participate in any service activities or anything like that. But uh, no. So did you? Yeah, yeah you mentioned service. It, it kind of has turned into like a service day, right? Yeah, these, sort of. See all these posts from people about their service for the day. I just hope those people that are posting are not just serving on one day. <laughs> right. Hopefully it's becoming a movement of multiple days, but who knows? Yeah. yeah, I did do something. Wanted to mention. So the Maltz Museum of Jewish Heritage here in Northeast Ohio, or they had an exhibit. It's been running for a while, but they had a special MLK Day. It was free um, to the community, but it was. It's called This Light of Ours. It's actually a book as well, but it, it it's an it's a moving exhibit. It's been at the museum here for a little while. Nine activist photographers who actually participated as activists in the civil rights movement with the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, and they called back in the day SNCC. Really some powerful imagery. I think it's an exhibit of like 150 images or something. They had a little video as well, but powerful imagery just showed kind of the courage and tenacity of local people. You know, you see these iconic images of MLK all the time. You know, when you see them, you know exactly where they are, who they are. But these images were really of the the local people, the people that were still fighting in regards to the civil rights movement, part of the movement, but that ones that you never see. Took my three small kids to the exhibit, which I didn't really get to see a lot of the exhibit when you have three small kids with you. But I did want to mention one little caption that I saw underneath a picture. It, it read, Strength where you might least expect it was often encountered, reflecting vitality and dignity in a society trying to strip it away. thought that was a pretty powerful message and kind of summed up the exhibit, summed up the photos that, that they displayed there. It was pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. Kudos to you. Good, good dad moment. Great job taking your kids to an, an exhibit like that on, uh, on such an impactful day. 
Yeah, I don't know how much they actually got out of it. <laughs> I told them there was kids activities there and there there wasn't a lot of kids activities. <laughs> well, maybe next year. And we try. I was going to ask you uh, if you had any uh, app news for me. I do have a little app news, but before we get into app news, which this is kind of app news as well, I had a little little piece of information that I thought you might be interested in. Oh, you know, yeah? Well, what's that? You know, we talked before about you being an entrepreneur, small business owner yourself, have yeah. opened several restaurants, those being Bojangles. Well, Bojangles just partnered with Appalachian Mountain Brewery. I think they just announced they've come out with Bojangles Hard Sweet Tea. <laughs> Are you serious? Uh, I haven't seen this. Not. So they're using their proprietary sweet tea to create a, are they going to serve this in the restaurant? Well, that's a funny thing. It's actually not being served in the restaurants. You can get it in gas stations in South Carolina, North Carolina, and parts of Tennessee. Appalachian Mountain Brewery is actually in Boone, North Carolina. It's an award-winning brewery and it's partnered with Bojangles to sell them uh, throughout that little small region. Huh. Uh, I guess they're... Uh going to compete with our Mountain Dew hard throughout <laughs> all of Appalachia. And uh, I don't know, maybe it's a, maybe it's a good idea. It's Bojangles was founded in North Carolina. So it makes sense for them to partner with a company from North Carolina. So very interesting. As far as Appalachian news, I got a, li uh, a few little items. So the ARC, we mentioned last week, the STEM Academy, uh -huh. the Entrepreneurial Academy, just want to mention a reminder, applications for that for high school students, for high school teachers are is February 10th. I just remind everyone of that. Also this week, ARC released an RFP for $13 million in available funding for its Inspire initiative. And that's the investing to support partners in recovery ecosystems. It's a grant to help communities address substance abuse disorders, but that's 13 million available. I think they first announced this Inspire in 2021, and since they've invested 28.5 million in 84 projects. And I mentioned that because they did release in, in their last chart book in 2020, overdose mortality rate was 50% higher in Appalachia region than any other place in the U.S. So, you know, wow. this is an important program for the uh, region, unfortunately, but it is an important program. And so I just wanted to mention that that RFP was, was released. There's a pre-workshop online uh, February 15th, a letter of intent February 21st, and the deadline for application is March 17th. Wow. Lots of dollars out there. This is not really app news. The Cleveland Metro Parks here in Northeast Ohio is actually having an Appalachian Lifestyles Camp. I wanted to get your take on that, what what you thought about that. It's being run by the Metro Park system here, which is not in Appalachia, and it's not even a camp for small kids. It's 13 and over. I guess I would need to learn more about it, but off the top of my head, it's uh, we're having a, a camp about Appalachia outside of Appalachia. Well, like on this show, we try to spread Appalachia outside the region, which right. I think is a good thing. So the, the camp is to learn how to play an Appalachian dulcimer, weave okay. a berry basket, make a drinking gourd, learn how to twine inner bark from a basswood tree, 
learn the art of spinning a good table and taste mountain food. As an Appalachian yourself, have you ever done any of that? Well, I've tasted great mountain food, I guess, but uh, that other stuff is uh, outside of my reach. I guess if you're going to label it and put it in a category, it's Appalachian, but you know, not at this Appalachian house. I mean, I understand, obviously, we talk about the history. We've talked about dulcimers on here. We've had a dulcimer historian and player on here. I mean, I understand the heritage, the history. I don't know. I've never done any of those things except eat the, the mountain food but it's funny i i kind of would like to attend the camp just to just to see what they say i'd like for you to go too can we sponsor you to go attend that camp since it's close by <laughs> i think that's a possibility well, i think it's a great idea we'll, we'll report about it on the show maybe we'll interview yeah. guy that's putting it on speaking of interviews will got one a great one for today i've been looking forward to this one for a while i have too you know we mentioned a couple of app news items in regards to the ARC. And we've had the federal co-chair on in the past. Federal co-chair Manchin has talked about her role uh, as the federal co-chair. And I wanted to mention that because in the leadership of the ARC, the other state co-chair is always elected by the 13 governors. And this year they elected as the 70th state co-chair the governor from the great Commonwealth of Kentucky, Governor Andy Bashir. Yeah, a great honor for him, a great representative for our state, me being a Kentuckian. I'm really looking forward to, to getting a chance to talk to him more about that here on our show today. As the state co-chair, he will host the ARC's annual conference there in the state of Kentucky. So that's pretty cool. Great honor for uh, all of Kentucky, and it's a great honor for us to have the leader of the Commonwealth on Appalachian Meets World today. So without further ado, Will, can we jump right into it? Yeah, let's get him on here and hear what his goals are for the Appalachian region. On the show today, we have a special guest, the current governor of the great Commonwealth of Kentucky, and newly elected federal co-chair of the Appalachian Regional Commission for 2023, the first from Kentucky since 2015. Governor Andy Bashir, we want to thank you for being on the show. Uh, we appreciate the time. We know we don't have you for long, but thanks so much for being here. Well, thanks for having me on. Like most Appalachians are big on history, big on tradition. Our family, we're big on tradition as well. And one of the traditions we have we have appetizers at the holidays. <laughs> we have this gigantic spread of appetizers, way bigger than the actual meal. So we wanted to ask you, do you have a favorite appetizer or just holiday dish? Oh, in our family, we are big on appetizers too. By the oh, time nice. you're, you're done with them, you are no longer hungry for the meal, but you feel <laughs> obligated to eat it because people spent so much time on it. So you know, pimento cheese, obviously, really big uh, across Kentucky and all of its forms, uh, different dips and, and cheeses uh, always there. So, you know, and, and anything fried is, is pretty good, uh, especially getting you um, uh, ready for that main course. Nice choice. Nice choice. Neil always likes to say any, if you have a dip, you have to have whole wheat Tostitos. Oh, 
Yeah, I've moved past the the original Tostitos. You got to have the whole wheat one. So if you haven't tried those, got got to go for those. But but I'm not sure it's a southern appetizer unless you have Ritz crackers somewhere worked in. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Good answer. Good answer. I wanted to ask you, obviously, as the federal newly elected federal co-chair, congratulations, newly elected by the other 12 governors of the ARC. With the recent passage of the bipartisan infrastructure bill, the Inflation Reduction Act, there's really no better time for economic development and communities as there's a lot of funding to be captured. Uh, we wanted to point out that in, in 2022, the ARC invested over $240 million throughout the 13 states and 51 million of that went to the state of Kentucky. Most recently, the ARC announced the first investment of the ARISE program or the Appalachian Regional Initiative for Stronger Economies, which really encourages states to work together. That's the primary reason for the initiative. That was 6.3 million for broadband connectivity through 50 communities in the region. As we know, a stronger Eastern Kentucky is a stronger Kentucky, Amen. just like a stronger Appalachian Kentucky is a stronger Appalachian as a whole. So we wanted to ask you as the federal co-chair, you know, politics aside, how important is it for those 13 states to work together? And also how important is broadband for the region? I'm honored to serve as the co-chair for the ARC uh, during 2023, and it's a really exciting time to be the governor co-chair. In many ways, we are in our generation's Eisenhower moment with more dollars for infrastructure ranging from traditional infrastructure of roads and bridges to other critical infrastructure for Appalachia, like water and, and sewer, where the economics have made it so difficult to get people uh, stable running water for, for decades, then all the way to broadband, an elegant solution for so many uh, challenges. ARC, even before uh, the passage of the bills you mentioned was investing record amounts of dollars into Appalachia. And I think doing it right, focusing on those critically important areas that are not political at all. There's nothing partisan about jobs, about infrastructure, about access to, to health care, or about housing. And those are all challenges that Eastern Kentucky and all of Appalachia uh, face. And just like uh, looking at communities inside of Kentucky, when we land a, a major employer, uh, uh, 2021, we, we landed the largest economic development investment in our history. We're building the biggest battery plant on planet Earth. That's going to help about six, seven, eight counties around where it's located. A big jobs announcement in Appalachia, even if it's on the, the, the border. You know, that can help folks in, in West Virginia, Ohio, uh, Pennsylvania. In the end, good jobs for Americans are, are, are more important than exactly where those are. But as governor, of course, I like them to be uh, located in Kentucky as much as, as possible. And people don't see how much most governors really do cooperate. Uh, when, when we were hit by the flooding, one of the first calls I, I made is to Governor Justice in West Virginia. He sent uh, part of his National Guard that had hoist capabilities. So they were in helicopters helping our folks uh, save lives. Uh, Tennessee uh, sent the same to, to help us out. Uh, whether it's uh, in, in COVID in the response, working closely with uh, Mike DeWine and then Eric Holcomb in Indiana, we're used to working together. 
because for most governors, it's about getting things done. Now, not having whatever argument is going on in Washington, D.C. or on, on Capitol Hill, but actually delivering uh, for, for your people. And, and I believe this last set of elections, even that we came out of, shows that that's what the American people, that's what the people in Appalachia and, and others so desperately want right now. So uh, what does that mean in the ARC region? It means that we need to push and ensure that as many of these water and sewer projects as possible occur in Appalachia. It means that we need to uh, use these dollars on economic development to uh, do the necessary work to bring uh, the economic development sites up to be build ready. It means that we need to continue to expand traditional infrastructure. I'm four-laning the Mountain Parkway, which is going to make a huge difference for a large part of uh, eastern Kentucky. Uh, we already have our first new company move to a location that will be four-laned within the next six months, all the way back through the, the, the rest of, of Kentucky. And then broadband is so critical. I, I got to be in, in Letcher County at a, a, a festival where new entrepreneurs were showing off uh, what they were doing. And they ranged from a, a 12-year-old that had started a catering company. So I had to go home and ask my kids what they do in their spare time. Uh, <laughs> to, to folks who'd started new, new soaps, to uh, a guy who makes sauces that are sold in, in supermarkets around the country. And all of them can start these businesses and sell to the entire world if they have access to broadband internet. In many ways, it makes up for the challenges of, of traditional infrastructure in Appalachia. And as you see how we have, uh, in many ways, uh, moved forward five, six, seven times faster um, in the broadband age after COVID, if we wanna have the best in education, the best in healthcare, telehealth for mental health is doing and can do such good things for our world. Having broadband to, to everybody is so critical, and it really should start in Appalachia, uh, where folks have been denied too many opportunities for, for far too long. I'm glad you mentioned that. We did mention the infrastructure, bipartisan infrastructure bill. As part of that, almost $8 billion has been allocated to the Department of Energy for creating seven to eight clean energy hubs mm -hmm. uh, throughout the U.S. I, I know Kentucky is partnering with, with several states, several Appalachian states on a few applications, but Appalachia, especially central Appalachia, ha it has a long history on dependence of an extractive energy economy, often to be taken advantage of by some outsiders. Do you see the hydrogen solution as being different for the region? And, and how important is it to also think beyond hydrogen to include renewables as well as diversifying the economy as a whole? Well, I believe that we need an energy portfolio that is all in. And in Kentucky, we want every part of, of that energy portfolio. We're seeing uh, more jobs in renewables. We're seeing uh, $10.5 billion in new investment in EV and EV infrastructure. We, we, we still have a significant number of coal jobs that are still important for reliability. Uh, but as we look at what's happened to Appalachia, is that as the energy economy changed, uh, the, the jobs of the new economy didn't go to the places that were losing jobs. Now, they talk a lot about economic justice, and that's included in all this new federal legislation. We did not see that when the energy uh, economy began to shift. 
and shift significantly. And what that created was winners and losers in the places that had toiled for decades to help build the country with the energy uh, used at, at that time were the ones that were hit and hurt the, the most. So I believe that the country uh, has a duty to reinvest in Appalachia in all different forms, but especially in the energy sector. Now, we, we ought to be looking at what type of solar and other jobs can and should be located in Eastern Kentucky, but let me say they've got to be good paying jobs. Because when we lost coal jobs, they were jobs that, that paid really well, and you could raise multiple families with just that uh, you know, one job, sometimes supporting even different generations. And so if we think about the, the fact that when our economy changes, uh, to do it right, we have to ensure that, that those that will be uh, losing jobs are the same place we're investing in, in the new ones. Uh, certainly, it's one of the reasons that on the automotive side, uh, I was so intent on ensuring that we got battery production in Kentucky. We're one of the largest automotive producing states in the country, and I... I did not want to be faced with what we were faced with in the energy uh, sector. So I think there's a lot more work to be done here, but I think it's critically important. Uh, when we look at a rapidly changing economy, um, we ensure that we make our investments in a way that is both smart, but also just. And making a just investment is about investing in, in Eastern Kentucky and, and all Appalachia. You've accomplished some really great things during your governance, but you know, my, my favorite boxer of all time once said, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Right. <laughs> and it, it seems like during your tenure, not nothing of your fault, obviously you've got punched in the mouth several times without having to deal with all kinds of catastrophic things that nobody ever saw coming from COVID to tornadoes to most recently floods in Eastern Kentucky. Can you tell our listeners what your approach is when things like that unforeseen happen and you have to overcome some of those challenges? We faced a lot these last three years as a country, but, but especially in, in Kentucky. Uh, we faced a pandemic that's killed nearly 18,000 Kentuckians. That's more than any uh, three wars, World War I, World War II, Vietnam put together. Uh, we had our worst tornado event in, in the West in our history. It took 81 lives and almost completely wiped out my dad's hometown. Hit my mom's hometown pretty hard too. We had the worst flooding event in Eastern Kentucky that we have ever seen. I think we're up to 44 lives lost, but thousands of Kentuckians only escaping literally with the clothes on their back, everything else. Uh, wiped away and facing one of the toughest rebuilds the country has ever seen. We had two ice storms in the midst of those three years. We just had, I think, what they're calling the polar plunge, where we got down to negative uh, 45 degrees, but thankfully made it through that uh, with only uh, losing a couple of lives. We have inflation right now that, while I think is temporary, is still really tough on our families. And we even have the economic repercussions of a war in Europe. All of that happening in a really short period of time, at least as viewed historically. Uh, and every time I think about facing all that as a leader, I remind myself it's a lot harder to face it as a family. The families that have been through those floodings, 
ice storms, tornadoes, families I've gotten to know really well, you know, they have really persevered. But, but you look at their strength and, and how they not only push through, but, but they help each other, even as the world tries to help them. I was in Whitesburg in, inspecting the, the, the aftermath of the flooding, and there were about eight people mucking out uh, a home. And I talked to one lady. I said, is this your house? She said, no, mine's three doors down. And I said, oh, are you all already done? And she said, no, but I'm not starting there until we're done uh, right here. And all these people will come down uh, with me. So I think responding to these challenges is number one about uh, competency. You know, you need to make sure that you are providing all the supplies, uh, unlocking uh, the dollars, pressuring the federal government, uh, which is oftentimes necessary to get uh, the, the best results, using your National Guard in the, in the very optimal ways, bringing in state resources. And you'd be surprised at, at how many contribute so well, like our Division of Forestry and, and clearing roads and, and mudslides. But, but just as important as competency is, is empathy, because right? people have just been through the worst thing imaginable, and it's not going to be okay the next day, and it's not going to be fixed a year later. So they have to know. They have to believe and they have to feel uh, that you're going to continue to stand with them and that you care about them. And you know, this is my home and uh, these are our folks. And, and I think that they can see that this is one of the most important jobs that I'll ever have as, as governor is to help rebuild their lives and, and their communities and that it's, it's very personal to me. At the same time, we're doing all of that. We've just had our two best years of economic development in our history by far. And so it's also really important that in the midst of, of bringing this amount of prosperity, because I truly believe Kentucky and other parts of the country, and including uh, Appalachia, are, are going to see more jobs and investment than, than we have in a long time. But you got to assure those places that have been hit so hard don't get left behind. And that takes some time. Uh, but in the West where the tornadoes hit, we've already announced 80 plus jobs in every major county, new jobs in every major county that was hit, if not hundreds in, in a couple of them. And, and so that, that's the hope that needs to be generated. As you, as you look at how you go, you've got the emergency where you gotta get people safe. And then you've got the intermediate housing and recovery, and then you have the long-term rebuilding. But to keep people in that community going through all of those phases, you have to have that hope of a, of a better life. What, what keeps people uh, staying there? And, and oftentimes those are new jobs and new opportunities. So we are laser focused on, on Eastern Kentucky, on what those opportunities are. And if you back up for all of Appalachia, we have seen population decreases that hurt, right? Mm -hmm. Far too many people moving from a place that they love and they care about because we haven't created enough opportunity there. So in many ways, this just reinforces our need to, to double down and to make sure we're spending just as much time on trying to locate new jobs in Appalachia. And that's oftentimes putting in the work. You know, there's an old racetrack that had been abandoned in Floyd County. We were able to use some different funding, AML funding, to help them purchase that site. Right? It already has all of the uh, uh, utilities that are needed. It's a, a build-ready site. Uh, those types of opportunities, when they pop up, opportunities at buying uh, flat land uh, that can that can give those communities the chance to bring in that next major employer.
we, we commend you working with FEMA to build um, outside the floodplains and also commend you and your wife on the, the Christmas gift program. I think that, I think that's really important for the kids in Eastern Kentucky to have just some semblance of normalcy in, in a crisis like that. It, it was so special. Uh, first of all, Brittany is amazing. She's hosted the two greatest toy drives, I think, in human history, at least if you, if, if you ask me. You know, this, the flooding occurred in July, so we did have a little bit of worry um, about the, the number of donations, and they came pouring in. And, and in fact, we'd even had some corporate partners that said, whatever you need, if they don't come in, we'll be there. And we didn't even have to, to, to go back to them. But I, I got to see uh, kids and families who'd lost everything taking out big boxes of toys just for one Christmas. Maybe for some of these families, more toys to unwrap than they had seen in any one Christmas. But you know what? If there's going to be that greatest Christmas ever, <laughs> uh, I hope it's 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 after they've endured what they endured because they deserve that that really good day. And I tell you, it was it you 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 see God in in the response and the generosity of people after after the the, the toughest of of times. I, I always say, if you ever lose hope in humanity, just watch people helping after one of these natural disasters. It's it's incredible to see. Yeah, and I commend you for for all the help you've done during during your time as governor and in those situations. As a father of three boys, I could learn a lot from you. Uh, when they get knocked down, I tell me, "Oh, you'll you'll be fine. Get up." But you do a great job of uh, making it personal and and showing people how much you do care as a Kentuckian. And one of the questions that we ask everybody that comes on our show, and I, I like to just get a response whether they're part of this region or or not part of this region. We like to ask, what's the first thing that comes to your mind or the first thing that rolls off the tongue when I say the word Appalachia? Mm, uh, beauty. Um, my goodness. It is one of the most picturesque, perfect places on planet Earth. Having gotten to spend so much time watching the sun come up over the mountains or you know, we, we in Kentucky have one of the best park systems, state park systems, and the views from our state parks in, in Appalachia, the, the lake at Jenny Wiley, how it sits inside uh, the, the mountains is, uh, it's hard to even describe to somebody who hasn't been there. And we've talked forever about how that natural beauty can and should lead to uh, tourism and, and expanded tourism and adventure tourism. I will tell you, we are seeing more of that than ever before. You know, we thought we had um, good tourism numbers, but post-COVID, they are really picking up, especially in our in our Eastern Kentucky region. And I think a lot of it is is we got reconnected during that period of the pandemic with nature. We realized how uh, much we took for granted being outside, and and when that's all we could do in many ways is. <laughs> Is is go take a hike. What it what it meant and how it felt, I think is something that has stuck with us. And so I believe that the beauty that has always drawn people to Appalachia, right now is going to draw visitors from all over the the country. And I think you're going to see long term people moving to Appalachia, especially as we are able uh, to invest more and more in in infrastructure from from broadband to water and sewer. And how incredible would that be 
if we can be the generations that for Appalachia stop people moving from it and instead reverse it to people moving to it. Yeah, um, absolutely. That's it. It's always good to hear different perspectives to that question. And, and one other question that we always ask everyone, our, our podcast, it's grounded on place and perspective. Place is really important to Appalachia. So we wanted to ask you just where do you call home and what makes it home for you? Hmm. So I, I call Kentucky my home and I've lived in a lot of different parts of it. You know, my family comes primarily from a small town called Dawson Springs in the West, where we had generations of, of preachers that would um, horse and buggy uh, ride around a circuit preaching in, in different churches. Um, it's a, a special place. It's a town of, oh, about, uh, it depends uh, between two and, and 4,000, depending on what year you were uh, looking at. Um, and I learned how much I really love that town when, when, when the tornadoes knocked down 70% every structure uh, in it. And I stood in the middle of a town that I had known so well that my granddad had put me on his tractor and driven me uh, around and not being able to recognize where I am because there was just nothing uh, standing. Um, I, I got to grow up um, also in, in Lexington and in a farm uh, outside of, of Winchester. So um, home to me was also muck and stalls, uh, taking care of, of those animals. You know, I, I met I met uh, my wife, who's from the small town of Los Angeles, and and so um, when I when I convinced her to move to Kentucky, we spent uh, 15 years in Louisville. That's where uh, my kids were born, and and so that's also very uh, special to me. And I've loved each and every one uh, of those places for for different reasons. So, but in the end, I, I'm going to rely on a book I read. To my kids uh, growing up, that's where where is home, little Pip. Yeah. It's always where where your family is, where your kids are, uh, where you live those experiences uh, together. Yeah, great answer. I know we don't have you for long. We have a couple of really quick rapid fire questions. If you're open to that, if you're okay. sure. But best appetizer, deviled eggs. <laughs> oh yeah! Now you're speaking to Neil's heart. Just join my team. There you go. <laughs> what city or county is the first Kentucky Fried Chicken in? Ooh, first Kentucky Fried Chicken in Corbin. Yes, ding ding yeah, we, ding. Neil Very likes good. to say Laurel County. That's where I'm from. So, <laughs> but anyway, it's all the same. Um, where in Kentucky, and the only place in the Western Hemisphere, can you see a moonbow? Is the moonbow in Middlesboro? It's the Cumberland Falls. Cumberland Falls, that's right. Middlesboro, of course, being the crater. And because of the crater, you realize that the airport shuts down at night because of the lip of it. I had no idea, really. And the, and the worry about planes taking off. You learn something every day. So Daniel Boone is known for making his way through the Cumberland Gap and really settling in Kentucky. It's a place, the Cumberland Gap, where I spent many of field trips growing up. Neil and I are from originally from Pineville. That's where we were okay. born. Okay. Yeah. But where is Daniel Boone buried? Daniel Boone is buried uh, right across the river from the governor's mansion <laughs> exactly. in Frankfort, Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some controversy there. He was originally buried in Missouri, and then I, his body was exhumed and taken to Frankfort. To I, be I, I could see it from the backyard. <laughs> and Fort Boonesboro is uh, not far from that farm that uh, for many years I called home. Oh, nice, nice. This is the question we like to ask a lot of people. Cornbread or biscuits? Oh, my goodness. They're both so good. 
so so I grew up uh, on biscuits, but but cornbread, you know, in the skillet uh, with a little bit of butter that's still melting on top of it is hard to beat. Yeah, yeah. Neil Neil always answers both. He I tries to stay there at the same time, Neil. I mean, I will eat them at the same time. Absolutely, with, one in each the, hand. I don't with, care with the deviled eggs. Yes, yes, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Go ahead. Excluding the Kentucky Derby, do you know what the longest festival is in the state of Kentucky? Oh my goodness, we have so many incredible uh, festivals. All right, give me a hint. Will and I are both directors of this festival. We see you come give a speech every year. We're very thankful that you attend. Oh, are we talking about the, the, the Mount Laurel? Yes, the Mount yes. Laurel is the second longest festival in the state of Kentucky. So my favorite thing about the Mount Laurel Festival is they asked uh, the governor and others to wear, you know, the white tuxedo. Yep. And every time I'm there, somebody tries to give me their dinner order. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, classic Pomvel. <laughs> Will uh, and I grew up in that festival, and we both have served in many capacities there so thank you we want to thank uh, we want to thank you we're, we're not speaking for pineville but we're speaking from ourselves we thank you for taking the time to come to the mountain Laurel festival it's not a duty that you have to do but we, the, the whole city really appreciates any governor that comes and and takes their time to to be there so thank well, you we, we're happy to do it i got to bring my daughter lila uh this last year uh and of course um uh our our state police commissioner commissioner burnett yep. from from the county and uh he got introduced last year got a really big pop i just wished i'd been standing next to him <laughs> I, I always wanted to ask a kentucky governor this question uh, i hope you don't mind but how do you pronounce the capital of kentucky louisville or louisville we we pronounce it frankfurt uh, the last question I have, and, and thank you again for taking the time, but what's your favorite thing to do in Kentucky? Oh, my goodness. Well, my favorite thing to do is anything with my kids. Um, I, we, I'm a travel baseball dad, so I spend a whole lot of time at ballparks all throughout uh, Kentucky. You know, it's funny. I can now give directions around about 60 towns in Kentucky because I've been through them uh, to get to the baseball fields that, that we practice on or play on. My, my, my daughter rides horses, and so, you know, anything related to horses. And in Kentucky, we have so many different uh, types of, of horses and, and sports uh, with it. You know, the track is fun for everybody, uh, whether it's Keeneland or Churchill Downs or now so many others that are out there, thoroughbred harness racing. We're about to have quarter horse racing in Ashland. That's pretty exciting. And of course, a thriving college sports uh, state uh, with uh, so many good teams, not just UK and, and, and U of L, which might be having somewhat uh, tough years, but NKU, WKU, Murray State, Moorhead, and, and their cheerleading team just won a national championship. Their basketball team should have made the NCAA tournament last year. It shouldn't be a Murray or Moorhead. It should be both of them. Yep. I agree. I agree. I was going to ask you cats or cards, but I, I know I know the answer to that already. So you don't have to. You don't have well, to say I, it. When, when, when you're governor of the Commonwealth of Kentucky, you have two jobs when it comes to college sports. Number one, root for your in-state schools. And number two, root against Duke. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Amen to that. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Governor, for, for taking the time. We really appreciate it and really appreciate you representing Kentucky, but also Eastern Kentucky with the Appalachian Regional Commission as the federal co-chair. Uh, we are excited about this coming year. Uh, and listen, I hope that we can make amazing progress. Uh, the opportunities are there, more dollars than ever before. If we can invest in jobs and infrastructure, access to health care and housing, uh, just imagine what a bright future we can build for everybody. And Eastern Kentucky deserves a bright future. So thank you all very much. Appreciate your time. things that, that he's done during his tenure and what he continues to work on here in 2023. Yeah, definitely. It was definitely an honor. We appreciate him giving us the amount of time that he did um, just to hear his goals as the state co-chair of the ARC, his goals not only for the state of Kentucky, but for Eastern Kentucky and for all of Appalachia. Yeah, it was really great to hear that, like me, he, he enjoys both cornbread and biscuits. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad we I'm glad we share that in common. Uh, a lot a lot of other things we share in common as well. But deviled uh, eggs. Yes, deviled eggs. That, that just that just put him over the top on on being part of my team. So uh, <laughs> I know he listens all the time and he knows my love of deviled eggs. But uh, it's great to know that he 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 loves them as well. I really liked your question about getting punched in the mouth. I thought I thought it was an important question to ask because he has been through a lot in his administration. As the state of Kentucky has persevered, you know, he has persevered through his administration in regards to helping those in need. And that's exactly what the ARC is there to do. So I think he's a perfect fit for leading that organization. Absolutely. I agree. And, and uh, I wanted to ask him that question because, you know, some of our listeners that aren't in the state of Kentucky may not know the, the many impactful events that he's been through. But of course, everybody knows of COVID and, and every state around the world uh, had to deal with that. But, you know, tornadoes hitting in Kentucky during his time, floods most recently, uh, overwhelming multiple areas in the state and just how he's responded and and the, the things that he's done to aid and to help in those circumstances has been remarkable. And, you know, one thing you can say, he might get hit in the mouth, but, but he's a fighter and uh, he continues to fight for the people of Kentucky. And Yeah, politics aside, I mean, even one of those events would have been hard on a state, hard on a governor, but I mean, he, he's had to endure all of those. So yeah, kudos for that. Absolutely. Pretty remarkable. What about at biz? Well, I know that the governor was talking about Eastern Kentucky a lot. He was talking about the floods. He did mention a few of the counties there that they have done some work in. Oh, yeah. I think you might have a little business over there in Eastern Kentucky. Yeah. He, the governor mentioned uh, Letcher County. And uh, most recently up in Letcher County, the general store at Pine Mountain Crossing is a, is a business that I would like to highlight and mention. You know, they started 
back in 2021, just two people wanting to try to preserve their town's heritage, basically. So they opened a, a staple uh, store that kind of highlights Letcher County and all of Appalachia. Uh, shout out to owners Tiffany and Ernie Scott of the general store uh, over in Letcher County, Kentucky, doing a great job of, of preserving Wattsburg and, and its heritage over there in Eastern Kentucky. So very cool. And I know you can get on their website and, and, and uh, actually order some of their, some of the Appalachian products that they have. I think they focus really on Eastern Kentucky, but you can order some of the products there. What is their website? I know that they have actually gotten a lot of support from our partners soar or shaping our Appalachian region in Eastern Kentucky. You know, they help entrepreneurs that are just starting out, help, help them in all regards. And I know they've gotten some support through them. So what's their website, Neil? Uh, yeah, you can visit pinemtncrossing.com. It's a brand new website. You can go on there and check them out. Very cool. I think that's a perfect business to highlight for this episode with the state co-chair and the governor of the Commonwealth of Kentucky, uh, Governor Andy Bashir. We want to thank him again. Absolutely. Well, I guess we can end it like we usually do. Till next time. Peace. I'm up in the mountains again. I'm getting lighter. The air's getting thin. Now I'm facing down with a grin. I've been in the city too long Sidewalks and buildings and singing sad songs Now I'm back up where I belong I'm in the mountains again